Richard. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right, as well as can be expected in these interesting as well times. As sure, yeah. What's right. up, Richard? Hey, man. Everybody's here, huh? Everyone's here. Cool. I will say, Richard, I'm really. I was thrilled when I heard you changed records to Bauhaus. <laughs> <laughs> You I know, like that Throbbing Gristle record. I so. do too. I do too, and it's definitely a part of music history. Just there's a lot of just stuff no one, surrounding. No one, only you and Barry right? would care about well, it. It's <laughs> well, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, the, no, cr- the story is, huh. is that he was married to this woman, and they, um, did, did they start dressing alike? While she was yeah, alive, him and Lady him and Lady J, he got a sex change to be more like her. So they were basically it was like a, a performance art project where they right. wanted to become each other. Right. So, uh, uh, and did he get? Did he go the full thing, or was he? Yeah, he is a she. He is they, wow. or he was. passed away he was this year as, he was, she, yeah. as they. But wasn't right. he also? Wasn't he? On, isn't he one of the ones on the cover of that UFO album too? Yeah, no, that's uh, Chris and Cozy, or that's um, oh Cozy, uh, is it uh, the other one? It's Co- no, yeah, it's Cozy, and because Sleazy worked as uh, art direction for Hypnosis, who did that ah, record cover. I knew there was so a throbbing okay. gristle connection. Yeah, yeah, it's Sleazy record. on the. Uh, I'm sorry, it's uh, Cozy on the cover of that UFO right, record. Yeah. Okay. And um, all right, so let's uh, let's just want... do the throbbing gristle record. No, <laughs> no, I'm so I'm so happy uh, we're doing. All right. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I'm happy to be doing an episode with you no matter what, Richard, but, you know. Cheers, cheers, thanks, man. Um, happy happy to be here. I would have had to, yeah, listen to it from scratch, um, you know, because I was not familiar at all. So, and Bauhaus, It's the most accessible of their exa- albums. It is, yeah. <laughs> but, but, the most accessible of those extremely unaccessible I remember band. watching, <laughs> right. we can put some of this in the show, who fucking cares, it's a short record yeah. we're going to do anyway. Yeah. Um, I remember watching, someone had a video, or maybe it was one of those, um, remember Night Flight, the TV show Night Flight? I do a little bit before my time. Oh, yeah, but it was yeah, yeah. Nightflight, uh-huh. and they played a live psychic TV performance. Mm, uh-huh. No, it wasn't Night Flight. It must have been like New Wave Theater. Oh, with uh, Peter, Peter Ivers. Peter Ivers. The guy yeah, from man. who wrote that. I don't that. remember New Wave Theater. I don't New Wave Theater that. was on. It was from L.A. They had punk bands play. Peter Ivers was the host. Yeah, and he, he wrote the song in Eraserhead. Um, uh, in heaven, oh, everything yeah. is fine. He wrote the song that the the lady dances to, the cheeky lady, and, uh, the radiator. Yeah, the lady yeah. And, the radiator. and there's and that's nice. That there's a nice segue there for from a racer head to this Bauhaus. To the Bauhaus. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. No. What is uh, the segue? So on the back on the back cover of the four AD EP that we're talking about tonight. David J is wearing an Eraserhead T-shirt. Ah, excellent. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, yeah, I've seen that picture. See, I've never, I wasn't familiar with this EP at all. That this was an actual EP, but I've seen that picture before of him wearing the Eraserhead shirt. Yeah, um, it's a, it's. I mean, this this whole EP. I mean, we'll talk about it, but it was kind of like a four AD cash grab to just put something out. It was like stuff that's what it seems like. With yeah, the three singles stuff, and three. Yeah, yeah. but it, but it's still. What it, I was going to awesome. say was. Uh, the they showed this psychic TV live video, and it was at some um, rave sort of setup, uh-huh. and obviously Genesis was tripping his brains <laughs> yeah. out, and he was like licking people's eyeballs in the audience, and it was yeah. <laughs> It was seriously disturbing. Uh huh. Confrontational. Well, that's what they strive sweaty, for. Yeah, uh-huh. and also just really intensely weird and um, disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of disturbing, let's get uh, let's get going with our podcast. Let's Barry. get to yeah, it. Let's do it, man. <laughs> All right. Welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, that is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. We welcome you all again to another episode uh, for the one hundred and thirty seventh time. All right. And uh, a little sad. I mean, when this uh, when this episode comes out, it'll be old news. But we just learned of uh, Eddie Van Halen, the death of Eddie Van Halen. Oh so man, it's a sad. Uh, My first concert. Shocking. Yeah. Yep. And it, and it's and, and it's funny uh, considering the the type of music we usually listen to and our friends and everything. How everyone just, just everybody still, loves Van Halen. Yeah. Well, well, at least, they love the David Lee Roth version of Van Halen. And also, and just Eddie, and everyone's just like, oh my god, you know, yeah. they, there's no yeah, yeah. denying what an innovator he was. Yeah. Except maybe um, uh, Marcus Reuter, maybe the one with one. Oh, that's true. <laughs> We're not going to ask Marcus because he he's he, you know. Remember we mentioned Eddie or something. I think that Adrian he is much more. Yes, yeah. he, 
He's not American. You have Much to, more influential, he said. Being an American. Um, all right, but we're not here to talk about any of that. We have a uh, we have a special guest. A on returning the show. guest. Returning guest. Would you, would you introduce yourself so you could say your name the way you want to say I it could, today? I could say my name with the pronunciation. Uh, hey, all. It's Richard Burgess. I'm here back with Barry and Rob to do a Bauhaus record. Yes, I'm so excited. We're doing a Bauhaus. All right, Richard Burgess. Real quick, you are you're an artist. You're a, a successful musician, artist. You're a musician. And you're, I, I would try. say you're an Ajahn uh, provocateur, too. Uh, exactly. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> You've got, and R- Richard, you have a great, um, you have a mixed cloud. Um, uh, yes. We want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I do. A, I do a radio show mix every um, first of the month, every first Monday of the month. And it ties in with a... Uh, tape label that I run as well. I release um, local and international kind of experimental uh, avant-garde music and I do a monthly radio show where I just kind of play stuff from the artists I release and stuff from records I like. Yeah. And what's the name of your uh, what's the name of your cassette label? It's called Noir Age. Excellent. Noir Age. And you have that uh, that's an Instagram. You have uh, you're at at Noir underscore Age is one of Uh them. And then you also have at Dick uh, Burgess. Burgess. Yes. That's so it's like it's kind of like a divide with art and music. So my kind of art side and then the more See, music focused I said, I said he was an Ajahn provocateur, and yeah. that's why. Um, all right. <laughs> well, but let's cloud, the mixed cloud. Uh, uh, the mixed so, cloud is Nor Age. Nor Age, and it's, and it's um, yeah. very, very good. Very enjoyable. Thank you. A lot of shriek back in there, I think. Yeah, well, oh, love yeah. It. Richard, Richard <laughs> was the DJ at the last uh, Mahoney New Year's Eve party. And, the uh, last one. When you say the last, it's the last one ever. It ain't going to be one this year, so we might as well. And he, he played some. He did an incredible set, and I was he drunk. Does. drunk got, dance my ass young, off. We Thank should you, say man. Richard's younger than us, much younger than us. But he, he doesn't read has, younger than us, though. He doesn't. <laughs> it's funny, Richard. Can I tell you something really funny? When you, sure. uh, I first uh, met you, you were working in Radioactive Records, and then pretty soon, yes. and then you ended up playing in uh, Mr. Entertainment and the Pookie Smackers for a while. Correct. But yes. before we knew your name, me and Lisa called you the uh, a new wave kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. 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 Oh, look, the new ape kid from Radioactive is playing with with Mr. And- and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what is he playing? Keyboard. Keyboard, <laughs> right. Exactly. But um, that's just a little uh, inside info. So cool. you could call him Mr. So Bridges. Or- which, which um, let's see, what's, what happens this month? This mo- It's the month that uh, we have a special holiday. Halloween. Yeah. And so which record did you pick? So, kind of with that in mind, I guess Bauhaus are associated with the goth subgenre or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, so yeah, I thought Bauhaus would be fitting. And this record was released in 1983 in October. So, um, and that fits. I was born in 1983, so I was ah, born I when, was this, gonna, <laughs> when wow. this record wow. came out. I was going to so. ask you, so when did you discover... I did not uh, buy it when it came right, out. Right, right. No. But, but <laughs> when when was it that you discovered... Because, by the way, I don't know if you know, but I, I'm a huge Bauhaus fan, and I'm a oh, huge I OG Bauhaus fan. Yeah, I, I love Bauhaus. I do, yeah, I do know. I, I think we talked about it at we some probably point did, a while yeah. back. Yeah. But And I, I used to, like, back in the day especially, because they obviously they're very tied in with the whole goth thing. And, 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 well, yeah, they're like the goth... I mean, if you... When you think the of quintessential one band, yeah. yeah, right. Okay, pick one. Well, you go, mm-hmm. Susie right. Misfits. No, 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 no. But then, and then it's also easy for some people to kind of make fun of them. Oh, they're so dramatic, overly dramatic, yeah. and everything. And but yeah. I always tell people, uh, the bottom line is they were a fucking great band, yeah. though. They were yeah. just a fucking kick-ass great rock True. band, mm-hmm. and yeah. they yeah. always were for their short. I mean, I, I know they reformed eventually, but the uh, uh, one of the coolest things about them is think is they formed in like nineteen seventy-eight. In England, yep. and then they basically, when this thing came out, they broke up. 1983, they they broke up. Yeah, this was yeah, this was pretty much their last record. One of the last, yeah. I think, Burning from the Inside came out around the same time. Because uh, I mean, this isn't this isn't an official album. It's an EP of singles. It's right. half singles and half B sides. So it's kind of a bullshit record. But <laughs> it did. But it got me high. Right? Isn't that the point? Exactly. It is, of course. It so is. was this the first uh, record that you got from Bauhaus that you heard them? Yeah, so uh, you guys remember All Books and Records in yes. Oakland Park? Yes. Or actually Sunrise. So there's one in Oakland Park and there's one in Sunrise. So I used to go to I used to go to both pretty often 
the one at Sun Sunrise I felt kind of had had a bigger selection, and they had the records up on the wall and stuff. Right, right, right. So I just remember this is I first started going to college. I came up here from Miami to go to college. I was going to FAU, and um, I would go you know record shopping. I was just getting into records after getting out of high school, and um, this one just kind of jumped out at me. I mean, I I'd, I'd kind of known Bauhaus from my sister. Uh, she had a CD of a hits compilation or something like that, the white cover with the logo. Yep. And um, so, you know, you see, and initially I had always seen like the t-shirts. You see the t-shirts everywhere. Yeah. You yes. see all the, yes. all, all yes. the cool goths, goths wearing the t-shirts, right. but like I'm, I'd never heard any, you know, I, right. I didn't know what the hell they were. And I was just like, maybe one day, I'll maybe listen to them or whatever. So um, this just kind of popped out at me because it was a green album cover and there was no band on the cover. It was just these like masks and it's just said 4AD. So it was like super just kind of cryptic and right. Which mysterious. You're into because you must have already had like a, uh, an, an artist's eye already, I'm imagining. Well, and then I, and I, from school, I knew about the Bauhaus school, which is the design school, which yes. right, that, right. that ties into kind of their whole aesthetic or yeah. rocky kind of thing. So, so yeah, I, I really just picked this up based on the covers. I thought the cover was cool, and I took it home, and yeah, it was awesome. I mean, that was kind of the first Bauhaus I heard, and the first time that I had seen 4AD or even knew what 4AD was. So it was kind of a, a big a good moment. I introduction, guess. Yeah. yeah, a good introduction yeah, yeah. for them, I think, because um, mm-hmm. it does kind of showcase their different. Uh, different styles that they do because they weren't just you know one style and they definitely they they had their their own sound for sure but they also mm-hmm. you know especially uh later on i mean i love them from again they're one of the bands that because they were war, uh, initially around so short i don't think they ever did anything bad everything they released is great there's a paragraph here i should read the huh. group have been name checked by several several other prominent musicians including steve albini of big black Jeff Ament of Pearl Jam, Bradford Cox of Deer Hunter, Courtney Taylor Taylor of the Dandy Warhols, Jesse Hughes of the Eagles of Death Metal, Jazz Coleman of King, Killing Joke, Al Jorgensen of the Ministry, Randy Blythe of Lamb of God, Fred Durst of Limp Bizkit, Jonathan Davis of Corn. We could probably we could probably left Fred off there. Back. <laughs> you know, we have a Fred. My son will come out of his bedroom with his uh, his cap on backwards, and I'll say, "What do I say? Rolling, rolling, rolling." Jonathan Davis of Corn, Mark Lanigan. Uh, White Zombie, My Bloody Valentine. Um, it goes on and on. So tremendously. Highly influential, for yeah, sure. Stephen Malkmus of Pavement. Right. I know. I know. Yeah, I some people to... who you wouldn't even think. You wouldn't say, well, how's the, where's that connection? But right. like I said, they were just like a great rock band. And then as we dig into this, though, we'll hear what were some of their influences, too, because you can definitely hear yes. yeah. their influences on this as well, which is which is fun also. So let's, uh, all right, let's get into the record. We should mention uh, um, Bauhaus is, R is our Daniel Ash on guitar. Peter Murphy, uh, vocals, great vocalist. Kevin Haskins on drums, and his brother, who just went by the name David J. David J. Haskins on bass. And um, let's listen to the opening track of this thing. Uh, originally, it was a single. This was a single in uh, 1980, and uh, mm-hmm. it's called Dark Entry.
right away I'm imagining a young uh, new wave uh, Richard uh, Verges <laughs> is, is totally on board right from the jump, right? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah the feedback leading in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I have to say right off the bat, though, um, the riff is 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 if you'd played Bella Lugosi's Dead at 78. It's pretty much. Oh, the, it? I think it's. The, I think fast, it's a very. Yeah. And even sort of the way he's singing, like the the cadence of how he's singing the word is very is, similar as right, well. It is. Yeah. It there's is. a there's a direct there's a connection between the two tunes, even though they're they're very um they're they're thematically they're a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. This this track is straight up rock, where Bella Goes is Dead is like a dub dub song. Exactly. Right, pretty right. much. Exactly. Yeah. So this one, uh, purportedly, it's uh, he says uh, it's, it tells a story of uh, Dorian Gray, like kind of loosely uh, Dorian oh. Gray oh, yeah. uh, from uh-huh. Oscar okay. Wilde's uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray, um, which you could see sort of when you're reading the uh, the lyrics. Um, it's very... Uh, um, his Reminds me of a German, like an expressionist film, like black and white. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Got right, the, right, the right. feeling, they've they managed to encapsulate the feeling of just sort of, uh, uh, um, you know, Nosferatu or Cabinet well, of Dr. Uh, Caligari. Yeah, that, is, that aesthetic too with, like the, with the Bauhaus, going back to like the Bauhaus school, which is exactly a, a right. 1930s German film, German silent film. Exactly. Right. Something like that. Yeah. But um, with him, with Peter Murphy, one thing I've always loved is that he manages to make the lyrics, no matter how dark and uh, dirty the lyrics are, they're, he manages to make them sound elegant, you know, <laughs> in a way. I mean, they're a little menacing, but he's got this elegance to his voice yeah. that, uh, you know. Well, he's just- yeah. Um, maybe a little Brian Ferry um, in there in the way that it's presented as that. You've got that um, baritone enunciation. Haughty, that haughty well, everybody um, wanted to be David Bowie. Kinda, that right? too, I mean, of, course, yeah, big, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, but it's just great. It's just uh, also it just it, they just um, they were always great at getting this groove. Their songs would have a groove, and they'll just hammer into that yeah, groove. Yeah. And uh, and it's uh, it, it's like a, a subversive version of hard rock. Because it is, yeah. it's kind of hard rock, but it's more than that. It just sounds well. It's so, got, a, it's got. There's a minimalist aesthetic as well, where there's not a huge amount of overdubs. It's very much, yeah, 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 just what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of their stuff they 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 did live. They they right. played well, it live, which yeah. is crazy when you think of the. Uh, you know, most bands like that would be like more of a studio project, and they do all yeah, this. Yeah, but no, they were definitely. Uh, did you ever see them live? I, you know what? I, I've never seen Bell as big a How band. How did you manage I, to? They because, played here in ninety. I saw them. I the saw them in two thousand. Yeah, I yeah, think we there, were man. we were there. That was a great, great show. That was really good. Yeah. Well, that must have been like, was so much that, reverb like, in that room. Yeah. Reunite was that when they yeah. reunited? Yeah. Was, see, I never, I never. Once they reunited and everything, I didn't, and I never just got to see yeah, them. I was. Well, I never broke seen up. them. And frankly, I'll be honest, I was. I've always had an ambivalent. My wife's a big Bauhaus fan. I always had sort of an ambivalent attitude towards them. And then she was like, "We're, we're going to go." And I saw that live. And I was like, "Wow, this, this was really, it was really an amazingly, sort of shockingly powerful show." And it was very like kind of minimal in a way. Oh it was yeah, just, like white. They were white all wearing, they were all wearing black, yeah. white lights, and the only color Shocker. on stage, David. Uh, I mean, Peter Murphy was wearing a blue and black striped oh, yeah. um, and then, button down. And then at some point, Daniel Ash came out to play the saxophone in the top hat, I think, or was yeah, it? I, or believe, have it comp- I think, no, I think that sounds right. Yep. That's or he right. Did, he, I want to say he did telegram Sam in a top hat to kind of do a T-Rex thing, and then he came out playing sax on Kick in the Eye or something. Yeah. I mean, it was everything I wanted to hear. Oh, was yeah, it was great. It was, it was, um, it was, yeah. For me, it was one of those shockingly, like, I didn't expect much and was, like, left, like, okay, well, respect. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> respect, yeah. Right, right. Uh-huh. Um, all right, cool. So, we What get- year was that, Richard? That was so. That was their second reunion. They first reunited in '99, and then they reunited again in I want to say it was like maybe 2003. Or I have right. actually still have the ticket yeah. stub somewhere. But um, yeah. what I distinctly remember, and kind of going back to um, this this track, Dark Entries, especially, 
is uh, Daniel Ash's guitar playing, which is kind of for me, like you guys are talking about the lyrics. Uh, Peter, I don't even know what the lyrics in this song. I've never thought to look them up. Uh, <laughs> there's some good me, ones like, in there. Yeah, there's some good yeah, lines. Kind of like kind of what we were talking about ministry where I'm just like, I really don't even know what he's saying. Like it's, it's more of like just like another like voice as a texture thing. But like really what gets me about this track is just the guitar playing and how it starts with that feedback. And around that same time, also from Law Books and Records, I had picked up and that came out the same year on 4AD was the uh, the birthday party, uh, the oh, friend yeah. catcher EP, yeah, yeah. and then right. I was release the bats. And if you listen to release the bats, that starts the same way where it's just it leads in with this feedback. Yeah. It's so like ominous, yes. you know, like it really just sets the mood. It does. <clears throat> birthday yeah. party. Somewhat less accessible than Bauhaus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit, and uh, <laughs> a slightly bigger ego, I think Nick Cave has than <laughs> Wow Peter Murphy. That's if a, that could be that's possible, a, that is a yeah. bold statement. He's probably right, though. You're probably, probably right. right. <laughs> All right, so now we sort of take a a, a, a complete uh, about face and a totally yes. different vibe with this next one uh, in the title. Uh, came from a newspaper headline, so it's not really, yeah. it's not necessarily about what the uh, headline was, but he sort of made a story from the uh, headline. But uh, well, it's like a, it's like a Dada cut up thing. Yes, yes, exactly. Together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's take a listen to "Terror Couple Kill Colonel." Got it. Yeah, the, re- the the weird thing about them is their their discography is kind of all over the place, and so if you go on YouTube and you say, "Oh, I'm going to listen," you know, usually somebody on YouTube will have a playlist that's like, "Oh, Bauhaus 4AD EP," and you just go, "Oh, I'll just play that," but for whatever reason, there's not. So you just have to kind of shoot in the dark and be like, "Okay." This, this is one the especially, first. there's really, it's, I thought it was kind of interesting, there's really not much on Google there's about not. this EP. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's not. Well, that's what did true. you say? It's kind of a bullshit record, that's what I said. <laughs> it was <laughs> kind of like, oh, we got to get one more record out of these guys, so uh-huh. we'll just um, put together. So we could put out a Cocktoo Twins record. Right, and make a lot out. more yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, uh-huh. This one is a really well-known song of theirs. Though. It is, they definitely, yes. Um, so, Richard, at this time, a uh, young man getting this, had you already been into any other, like, this has definitely got this, like, creepy atmospheric sound. Were there other bands you were listening to at this time that were like this? Uh, around the time, I mean, uh, you know, ministry and kind of the industrial stuff. Um, from there, a little bit before that, I'm trying to think of whatever. Really, well, this whatever one else. reminds me of Joy Division a lot. It's well, it, especially when we get when we play a little bit of the other version later. The other version is more Joy Division because right. it's got. It almost sounds like they're sort of aping Joy Division. The other one with the it's drums. Bro- well, everything. it sounds like that broken kind of sound where you sound like. Does a guy really sing like that? And that's yes. kind of what I first heard when I. What I thought when I first heard, because actually, really, I heard uh, a Nine Inch Nails cover of Joy Division before I heard that original Joy Division song. Oh, wow. song, oh okay. Dead, Dead Souls. Oh, I remember I hearing that song. It's my favorite yeah. Joy Division Nine Inch song. Nails cover before, and then I ended up actually hearing the Joy Division original. I was like, man, this guy can't sing. And then you kind of, it becomes an acquired taste uh, yeah, after right, a while, right. I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah, they I did, uh, they, pro- now I'm not sure, did they really, did they do, was this the A-side and then the other version, the B-side? Yeah, so. I think it um, was, right? That sounds like something other, they would do. This other version, uh, so there's Terror Couple Kill Colonel has two versions, um, which was, um, I guess it was the B side. I want to say it was the B side of this single, but I want to say it was also the B side of Cheese and Parties. It was like another track, but I don't know why they did this other version. The really the best version 
of Terra Couple Kill Colonel is from Swing the Heartache, the BBC Sessions. Oh. Every every track on that record is just phenomenal. Oh, the yeah, third, the third uncle sorry, version. Oh. Uh, they're uh, maybe we should have done that record. Anyway, they are really great. No, they are. <laughs> it's a little late now. Well, that's the thing. There's <laughs> other. Yeah, we'll get to it. There's other stuff on here that I could say. Oh man, that's really good on other versions because they would do that a lot. Like like you said, they're because they weren't around that long. There's a lot. And they were a good live. And they were a good live band. They where were, that was them. Excuse me. They were good. Rise. They were a great yeah. live band. Don't say good yeah. live band. They're great. Mm-hmm. They have some great, great. Uh, recordings of them playing live. They're. I mean, their most famous version of uh, Bella Lugosi's Dead is, is live. It's yeah, live. It's live. Right. And they released uh-huh. that as a single and it's crazy they were only a band for like i think like six weeks or something when they did that and released that mm-hmm. well they definitely yeah, yeah. there yeah. was a there's a as became known over the years there was a lot of um um dynamic tension in the band um mm-hmm. between the members which led to some yeah um, well, that, it happens good, uh, as we've learned on, as we've <laughs> learned on this show it, uh, good, right it some side projects and also them never them i remember the statement there will be not be any more Bauhaus reunions. Did you do you, do you remember when that happened? After what was that? After the was that after the Coach, they played Coachella or, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was um, it's it used to be in the Wikipedia and it said Daniel Ash or somebody or David J said there will no. We had an incident with one of the members and there will be no more Bauhaus reunions. <laughs> I was like, oh, what what did Peter Murphy do? Right, because uh, yeah. he's had he had a well publicized little run in with the LAPD. All right. Oh, right. Yeah, he was smoking crack or something. Yeah. Right? Was, that, yes. Uh-huh. Um, in his BMW. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which not is, in his West German home. No. <laughs> but in his BMW. No, well, yeah, that's... Um, all right, so now we get uh, a cover. They uh, The first cover that was released as a single, and... Um, they were great at doing covers, and what I love is they would take stuff that was obviously they really loved and they were into, but they wouldn't necessarily. They would do them pretty straightforward, like this version. Oh of yeah, Telegram like their Fam- version of Third Uncle. A lot of people never realized that was a Brian Eno song. Right, right. So this, uh, this is them. Their doing, version is better, I think. Yeah, well, it's, a well, lot of it's, time, it's uh, different. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's different. You're not gonna ever convince me that you know that yeah. it's better than the Brian Eno version. Yeah. But yes, That's it good. is. It is. Um, and as a dance floor single, it is superior, correct? Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, and they just, this one, like the T Rex, Mark Boland, uh, they just rock this out and it's great. Let's listen to a little bit of their version of Telegram Sam. <laughs> Just at the end of the day, it's just a fucking great song, right? But uh, they, like I said, they pretty much do like a straight version of it. But it's like their version yeah, of their straight I version mean, because they Boland's version. They get theirs has an edge to it and a menace to it. That yeah, yeah, Bol- that's Bol- it. That's just them. It's but them. Boland's always got this sort of sweet sort of you know. Yeah, it's a T-Rex. Yeah, his swings and the, yeah. this doesn't swing. And so you know where this, you know where the, the origin of the, the this kind of song is. Is um it comes from a Howlin' Wolf song uh, written by Willie Dixon called Wang Dang Doodle. Um, that huh. goes through and lists all these characters. Uh, autom- tell Automatic Slim, tell Razor Toten Jim, tell Butcher Knife Toten Annie, and Fast Talking Fanny. We're gonna pitch a ball down at the Union Hall. Um, well, thank you, Southern Aunt Debbie. Ah. <laughs> yeah, right. Southern Aunt. What was it? Or no, what was it? What was Southern Aunt Ruby? Ruby. Ruby. Yeah, Southern Aunt know it Ruby. All, know it all, Southern Aunt Ruby. Yeah, that was correct, actually. Um, but that's where these these lists of names, these characters, 
songs like that Bowling had been listening to Howlin' Wolf and was like oh, I can write some characters mm. I could come up with some characters that's that's rock and roll though right I mean oh yeah for sure so yeah. Yeah. Songs and, but um yeah. Daniel you get Daniel Ash's uh, guitar tone oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. It's, so great yeah it's, yeah. Yeah. it's very it's, it's it's definitely got that um menace and that that um in, in, intensity that yeah Bowen's is much more you know. so it kind of goes back to I mean that's the same thing with their third uncle where it's got that it's got this wound upness that uh, the, the phaser and has the phaser yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. the fuzz and oh, the well, their version and uh, uh, Ziggy started they do a great their yeah, version oh, of Ziggy oh, started is fucking great yeah, I true, love true, it true, true. I love it I think almost as much as David Bowie's, Bowie's yeah, yeah. Ziggy started uh, yeah. it's great uh, to go back to kind of like so look back at how the album's been flowing or the EP or whatever the hell you call it compilation so kind of the lead in track Dark Entries is this really kind of straightforward rocker fuzzed out then it kind of opens up for a terror couple that's super spacey and minimal and then you go back into this kind of another rock number so it's kind of like these uh, peaks and valleys or I don't know what would you how would you approach that from like a music theory perspective? I well, they this record, like you said, seems sort of oddly um, put together. In that, um, plus it's got it's got two covers on it, and mm-hmm. it's got a one version of two versions of one <laughs> original, song. right? Yeah, and so then I it's got a, right. sort of a piano ballad at the mm-hmm. end. So mm-hmm. it's a very odd record. Um, it is odd. So you're probably right. It, it was probably a, a kind of a cash grab for 4AD. I mean, it was before it was 1983, so maybe they were already you know knew that they were going to be broken up, and they said, well, let's uh, you know we got these singles and B sides, and let's get mm-hmm. this cover, which it is. We didn't mention uh, the cover, the f- photographer. Do you know him? This guy named Emmanuel. I know some of his stuff, so it was kind of just they. So right around to touch into the art part of it, which I was hoping we would get to at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, as I said, this is kind of what piqued my interest seeing the cover on the wall, uh, which then led me to 4AD, which then led me to Vaughn Oliver, who was a head designer for 4AD, who actually didn't design this record. So David J is given credit for designing this record. However, this is one of the first 4AD records to have that classic 4AD logo that we all like know that you see on all the 4AD records. So right, right. this was 83 and this was Von Oliver had just uh, designed this logo and they started putting it on the records. And if you look at the inner, uh, the center label on the record, they would have one side where it was just the logo with like an abstract photo. And then the opposite side was um, the track listing. So um, this, although not a classic 4AD record in that sense that it was designed in-house, it has that feel to it, and it has, um, you know, it goes in sync with their kind of art aesthetic going right. back to yeah, you know, Bauhaus school and stuff like that. So. Uh, definitely, with the the type is sort of tossed around on the cover mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. and there's a mm-hmm. striking image of um, masks yeah, a, which goes in, into Halloween too, right? It's kind of, uh, of course. I guess they were feeling October season or whatever. So I believe so. Cover. Yeah. Do you yeah. still have it, Richard? Do you still have your? I'm looking at it right now. Oh, I'm holding so it great. as we Isn't talk. That great? Yeah, man. good for oh, you. Good. All right, yeah. so let's uh, let's take a little break. Uh, let's. Um, I'm enjoying uh, the reason why I couldn't pronounce that is because I, I am enjoying my cocktail. Barry's uh, yeah <laughs> restraining tonight because he's got uh, um, my allergies are killing uh, me. Why are you now? Uh, usually we're in sync, but my allergies are fine. So what is you? I have bad allergies. So alcohol makes your allergies worse. You know, I just don't want to wake up feeling like shit tomorrow. (laughs) And so I figured, well, there's one thing I can do to definitely avoid that is not drink a bunch of uh, booze tonight. And um, I know. Right. All right. So uh, (laughs) we're talking with uh, our good friend, Richard. We're talking about Bauhaus. Notice how you didn't say your last name. Well, we all know it by now. All right. We're on first name basis. (laughs) Thank you. We'll be back in a minute with more. That record got me high. All right, hold on, Richard. I'm just going to make myself another drink. Go for it.
is This Tomorrow is a weekly webcomic, political fun, since 1993, cataloging the whacking goings-on at the Zorro Television Channel. Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. Since 1993, Woody and Kelly, Bilbo Baggins, that spits dragons, catalogs the wacky story of That's Right. Each week, Is This Tomorrow, available at isthistomorrow.com, brings you four, six, or eight panels of wild Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. That's right. Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. As he flees from the giant flaming vagina on the horizon, is this tomorrow? All right, we are back. This is That Record Got Me High, and we're talking to Richard Verges about hey. Bauhaus 4ADEP. Um, so yeah, you could play the uh, the other version Is of that the Terra wrong Couple version that I played before. Kilker. Yeah, just play a little underneath. It's basically a slower, more languid uh, version. I, I don't of get. It. I, I I don't really don't. Well, get it's got it a still. harmonizer oh, like, on. The, it's got a harmonizer on the vocal. I think they definitely you know heard unknown pleasures and were into it. And it really does mm. when you listen to it. It does have that vibe. And also in the outro, it sounds like he's channeling Bowie, particularly uh, a Berlin era. Bowie, mm. like mm-hmm. in, in the outro of it. So I don't know. You know, bands do that. They do remixes of things, and, and it's not, it's more than a remix because it's like slowed down. And it's, well, yeah, just, it's a different recording. So it's, it's yeah. very strung out. It's just like very it is. druggy. Strung out is, a good, kinda, is yeah. a good description of it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that was the, maybe that was what they were going for. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we get a cover, another cover. Which I didn't know for a while. I mean, I found out a couple of years ago that this was a John oh, Cale yeah, song. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. But I didn't, and, I and didn't it, know. It's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't like it was a John Cale song from that long ago. No, it wasn't. I, think, I listened, to, I I listened it to it today for the first time. It so came out in like 79. Like, it was on Z Records. Yeah, yeah. And, but uh, I, I always thought, because this was a song they would, you know, that, that's on uh, some of their live records, too. And, it, yeah. and it's always great. And I always assumed it was their own song. But it is a John Cale song. Let's listen to a little bit of Rose Garden, Funeral of Souls. Trigger warning, there's some, um, what would you say, uh, politically incorrect. Um. Well, maybe. I don't, I don't think you're going to play it long enough to get all the way to that. I hope not. <laughs> maybe. at the beginning you got that great uh daniel ash those uh feedback screaming feedback at the start that he was so great at uh at doing that using that and interesting so like the first thing that comes to mind when this track kicks in is like two things it's uh 
one, the Velvet Underground, Venus and Furs. I heard you say, what is, uh, I, I thought I heard you humming that. But I, can the tell you I was humming. <laughs> what, shiny, what's the other shiny, thing? Yeah, what's the, the other same, one? It's the same kind of like. What's like, the, where does uh, the riff come from, though? Momentum uh, that comes in there. And then, like, just the atmosphere of it is uh, kind of goes back to that Terra Couple Kill Colonel atmosphere where it almost borrows kind of a page from, like, dub production where you have kind of the the weird echo and then you have like kind of clinking sounds so it's just very kind of like almost uh very raw kind of kitchen sinky dynamic to it that are just, it's just that kind of minimal strange uh sound that Bauhaus we're so good at it, and it borders that the, the, the thing about them is that they push it right up to the edge of parody like right mm-hmm. up to the point where you go well, he sounds like Iggy Pop too. I mean, right. like, oh yeah, well, his he lead does, in vocal sounds like Iggy Pop. When he does his like yeah, over the top characters, and then he changes mm-hmm. the character of his voice from line right. to line. Yeah, right. you're right. It's it, it is. But it's the a, riff of this is John Cale stole the riff from the song "Shaking All Over" by Johnny mm-hmm. Kidd and the Pirates, which anybody mm-hmm. who has a copy of the Who Live at Leeds, oh yeah, has downtown, heard. Downtown, the, downtown, the, the, oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah that's it's, it. It's, yeah. It's, uh, um, right. hij- but that's John Cale did that. Not yeah, that John Cale did that. That's John right. Cale did that, and then they took a John Cale song and covered it. That's but, right. Um, you could see why they would be drawn to cover this song, just oh, because yeah. of the way it is and then the the lyrics in it. But yeah, as Barry said, uh, not, uh, not PC. Um, they're definitely in Murphy's wheelhouse. Uh, but their choice don't seem to matter. They got swollen breasts and lips that putter, and their choice of matter and their scream of chatter. It's just a little parasitic scream of whores, screaming whores <laughs> yes. in the Rose Garden. Garden funeral and he digs into it a bit on this when he says screaming whores, but there's, they have a live album called Prestige Eject and uh, Give Me Give the, me the tape. tape. Prestige, yeah. And their version of that on this is terrifying oh, on really? that. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. He's saying screaming whores and then Danny Ars is going, wow. And it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, oh my God. Yeah. All right. it's, it's great. It's great. Um, but yeah, like, uh, well, I can credit the fact that, uh, um, this song, hearing this on here caused me to start re-exploring John Cale's discography this week. And I was, very and that, and that original is kind of interesting cause it's like a, it's just like a kind of a drum machine yes. and yeah, yeah. just him kind of, it's really stripped back with, which this has the sim, the same kind of vibe to it where it's like this half electronic drumming, half it, exactly. percussion. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, yeah, Kale, and Kale's songs are populated with these kinds of things and these kinds of characters, de- degenerate characters and situations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like to, I said, right in, their, right in their wheelhouse. Exactly, sure. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's part of their uh, DNA. Doing a and then like isn't, isn't there something relevant about the, a rose garden of sores? Isn't there recently about something... Uh, Recent, oh, the recent ro- yeah, well, yeah. Recently, when they were, t- yeah, whenever they talk about the Rose Garden, that's all I think of. This is the they were in the Rose Garden, right. and that's where everybody cut their sores they or whatever, did, right? Yeah. So it's but, what do you know? But I yeah. always think of the Bauhaus version. Yeah, <laughs> of it for sure. Um, all right, so then we get to the final thing, which. As as big as uh, Bowles, and I guess I say I'm a huge Bowles fan, but I guess and I have a, a whole bunch of their records, and I and I and I've loved them through the end. But I was not familiar with this single here, Crowds, because I never got because I had their actual records. I didn't. I don't think I ever got any of the compilation ones. Yeah, this so, was uh, Telegram Sam B side. The B side to Telegram Sam. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. I was not familiar with this song, and this is a fucking great song. Yeah. Yep. I love this song, and I didn't know about it. It's a very, it's a pretty piano, uh, piano-driven song that I had never heard before. So let's listen to a little bit of crowds. Who's playing the piano? It's, I think I David J. I think it's David J. Yeah. Is it because you can you can't find the info? I was looking and trying yeah. to find, and you could tell whoever is playing, he's not like a great piano. <laughs> Just player. enough. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to say it's David J. I heard that somewhere, sometime in an interview, maybe okay. or something. All right, yeah. we'll go with that. Let's listen to the right. crowd. What do you long from me? A slim pixie, thin and forlorn. Account white and drawn What do you make of me? What can you take from me? Pallid landscapes of my frown Let me rip you up and down 
For you I came to forsake Lay wild despise and hate I sing you my lamented songs For you and your stimulations Take what you can of me Rip what you can of me And this I'll say to you And hope that it gets through You worthless bits You fickle shits You will spit on me You will make me spit And when the Judas hour arrives And like the Jesus Jews You will epitomize I'll still be here As strong as you And I'll walk away In spite of you So very uh, Bowie-esque. Very Bowie-esque, yes. Yes. Um, Beauty Brothers uh, kind of vibe to it. So at first, it sounds like he's sort of singing to the audience, uh, what do you want from me, what do you long from me, a slim pixie, thin and forlorn, Mm -hmm. a count white and drawn, what do you make of me, what can you take from me? So uh, Richard, you know they have another song called uh, Spirit? Yes, I know that song. Yeah. Oh, another similar kind of vibe. Uh, similar kind of vibe where they're talking yeah. with the audience, but in that they, uh, we love our audience. They're saying at the end, but it is kind of <laughs> this probably is the opposite. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it is. Uh-huh. This is the opposite. But then he gets in in the last verse. It sounds like it's a, a personal getting kind of it, it gets personal. a little personal. Yes, right? yeah. It sounds yes. like a relationship problem. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. <laughs> right. I'm sure, but David then Murphy there's like you know the line about problems. spitting. The line about spitting is like I, a lot of their early shows. Uh, I mean, a lot of early oh, punk yeah. shows in general. Spit people, the crowd. Yeah, the band would just get spit on, and yeah, there you was do, a period of time back. where that oh, happened. Yeah, there's a great uh, there's a great live uh, stra- there's a live Stranglers record called Excerpt, and uh, Hugh Cornwall is like disgusted. He goes, uh, if 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 you all could just stop spitting for a minute, oh. I know you like <laughs> spitting, but I don't particularly like being spat on while I'm playing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, awesome. it was a th- it was a thing back then in the UK to spit yes. on the band you love so much. I know, and then just <laughs> most of, like most and of the bands weren't down with it. No, I would say that in general, it was something. It was l- Joe Strummer got um, um, hepatitis from being spat. Oh, on, oh no. Or um, what's the um, yeah? So at most everybody hated it. It was just something that assholes did, and you so know. finally, here's a song that addresses that. Correct. That addresses that. Right. You worthless bitch. You fickle shit. You will spit on me. You will make me spit. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> so Richard, uh, you did you go out and get more Bauhaus after this? Like, did you dig? Yeah, definitely. So this was the first one I owned from there. Um, I got in the flat field, even though it has a naked man on the cover, Hmm. I I had to, I had to have it. I had to have it. Um, yeah, I started uh, probably hide that from your parents. I started started picking up the, the, the singles. And one of the first singles I bought actually was telegram sandwich had this as the B-side. So there's a 7-inch of Telegram Sam has um, Telegram Sam and Crowds, but then the 12-inch also has um, the Rose Garden on it. So that's kind of the B-side to to Telegram Sam. But it's weird with the 7-inch. So the 7-inch I have, and it's like a thing that there's some defective copies, and I have a defective copy, and I've heard somebody else play it as well because I thought it was just mine, but like if you play it, it sounds all like warped and fucked up. Oh, Oh, Um, really? Which I have, yeah, I want to say it's just on the seven inch. So, anyway, um, is it now okay? Haunted, you have the haunted seven inch. Do both, yeah, do so. both, do both <laughs> sides sound like that? Both, yeah, both sides are, are kind of messed up. I have it's to pull drilled it out off again, center. They had a shitty record plant, pressing plant, and they drilled it off center. And there's n- that's, yeah, that's probably what it was. Where 4AD for the most part weren't really known for having the best <laughs> sound or right. the best mastering. Yeah. So it was it was kind of a messed up single, but that that was kind of my that's where I went from there, and then I started picking up everything. Um, the uh, the swing the heartache, like I said, that's probably my favorite from them, just because it's kind of like a good singles collection. Just the renditions are really good, and then um, Sky's Gone Out, just because it has the Eno. I mean, for the most part. Every Bauhaus record, except for that "Go Away White" 
one, which was it wasn't bad. It oh, wasn't it was a reform. Yeah, I, I never, that was the reformed like one. I never, yeah. but I love. Yeah, I love Sky's Gone On and uh, Burning from the Inside as well. Which Peter Murphy wasn't uh, wasn't as involved in that one, but uh, that's great too. I, uh, that and then great. Mask, which had She's in Parties. I mean, that's just. I mean, what a great. Just yeah, good body of work there, and just yeah. a few records in just a few years. Right, um, exactly. Um, yeah, and this song, but I guess this song they never actually played live either. I couldn't find any live version. Well, you got to have a piano, and it's just extra work. <laughs> yeah, it's right. like uh, yeah. I want to say I heard somewhere that it was David J that played the piano. Like you said, it sounds like somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, and it sounds like it's just it's this really late night vibe. Right. I remember uh, I remember playing it a few times at a DJ set. Like I used to DJ at this place, Roxanne's, a long time ago, and when it was like the end of the night at three in the morning or whatever, oh, this, oh, this would great, be one of those songs. It's yeah, a great yeah. end of the night song. It is. You're <laughs> yeah. a good. You're a good DJ, Richard. You're Thank really you, Richard. Richard. <laughs> Richardson. I I am envious of Richard's DJ skills. Uh, well, thanks. he's good. You see, you got to be tight. You got to have like the. Affinity for the music, you he, know? You, exactly. Which we, I think we all do, but I don't think I'd be a good. DJ hey, man, the records I, speak for themselves. But you know the what? You know what the thing themselves. is, Richard's young enough where he could remember what songs to play. Like, we, I feel like right. I wouldn't remember yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any songs. Yeah. I guess like, it's still fresh for me. Like, right? I mean, Once this, he played, you know, I, I go, "Oh yeah, that song. Yeah, that's a good one." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Richard, so what? Uh, if people want to. Uh, seek out you and seek out your work what's the best place for them to go to find it uh check out instagram dick Burgess or noir age um i'm actually putting out a record this month at the end of this month oh the really day halloween oh nice um yeah my first uh record that i'm putting that i'm putting out on my on my label so it's been a tape label but this is the first vinyl record and uh it's by night Night Foundation, yeah, my solo project called Night Foundation, and it'll be out. Um, Very funny. At the end of Very October. funny, Richard. Uh, it's a playoff of yeah. It's a yeah, playoff. I got uh, it. Do we have, I get do we it. Have a few, do we have a few minutes left for a yeah. funny David J story? Yes, sure, yeah. yes, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so um, this was maybe like uh, 2010 or something like that. Um, we booked. I was working at Radioactive and. Uh, Mikey booked David J to come play at the Monterey Club. Do you guys remember the Monterey Club? Yes. Oh, yeah. So, Bad um, PA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that ties in. Um, <laughs> Things I David remember. J was, David J was doing a solo tour uh, around the U.S., and he was touring um, this like a new record, a new 7-inch that he had. But then he was doing um, Bela Lugosi's Dead because he has a co-writing credit on that, or I think even a main songwriting credit. So anyway, right. um, he was touring around to just kind of, I mean, David J, he's not going to really pack like a big place. So he was kind of touring around to kind of little smaller bars and stuff. Right. So... Um, we booked him to play. So he came to Radioactive. He did an autograph signing, which was super cool. Um, really nice guy. Uh, we got to go out to dinner with him. We went to Suko Thai, which was in that uh, oh, yeah. gateway shopping yes. plaza. So we all we all went out to uh, Thai food and with David J and his agent. And then um, we all ended up at the Monterey Club. Um, I had the pleasure of opening up as a DJ for him, which was cool. Um, and he was just taking a lot of time, taking a lot of time, a lot of time to kind of he was backstage, or we were waiting for him to, Wait, to yeah. actually get there. There. Was, no, there was no backstage at Monterey. There was no backstage. So he was, I think, he was set, sitting in the kitchen for right, like a right. few There's hours. A, yeah, the just parking kind of, lot or something. Yeah, to, right to just kind of build up this allure, to build up this uh, anticipation. Like, so you know, uh, I'm, Kanye, so I'm like, there. Uh, you know. Huh? Like he's Kanye waiting till 4 a.m. Yeah, to go I'm on, there right? like three hours deep into a DJ set oh, waiting my for God. this guy to come out. And um, it looks like somebody had, so uh, he was going to play off of the CD DJ that was there. I was using the turntables. Uh, I hadn't touched the CD DJ and somebody Uh-oh. had uh, sabotaged it. Oh, Bass no. was turned all the way up. It was just a bad situation. We didn't have a sound engineer. It was just, it was a total mess. So oh, no. he comes on, everybody's super excited, and, and he starts singing Bella Lugosi's Dead. And then all of a sudden, just the, the lows are way too low, and the sound system starts clipping. Uh, and people are just, it was just the, it just, the atmosphere went from like 100% to zero. And oh, it was no. just like awful, awful. So he comes up to the DJ booth and he starts, he like, he throws the drinks out of the way and says, let me get in there. And he starts like, 
twiddling at the at the <laughs> levels and stuff, trying to get it right and trying to get it right, and we couldn't get it right, and we figured out, okay, the bass was turned out all the way, and then he kind of leaves, he storms off, <laughs> he comes back in, he says, all right, well, I'm going to DJ, you know, screw this performing or whatever, I'm going to DJ. By that point, everybody's super just like, pissed off, upset. <laughs> but he starts DJing, his kickoff song is Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> Slightly unexpected, but anyway, yeah. so he's ripping through his kind of like uh, Brit pop mixed with Iggy pop kind of set, and um, it was a bad night. It was an awful, awful <laughs> night. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mikey was in charge. That of him, happened. So Mikey, sound check. Do a sound check, people. <laughs> sound check. No, man. No, no Let sound me just check. Say- that bar, it had a couple of different names, right? What was it? The creepy Tiki? Creepy Tiki. It always sucked to play there because the sound system, there was never a sound system. No, and whoever sound, owned the place was always coked up and didn't care. Yeah. And well, he did, a, he, did a sound che- he did a sound check at like 6 p.m. And then somebody then came in and dicked around with it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a totally different room when you're playing there with, you know, I have to say, I never had a good, I never had a good gig there. Ugh. In that room. Well, you and David J. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, so that no, I'm, Mike, I'm so, sure I'm not alone. So Mikey alone. got him out of there. Mikey had to take him to his hotel or whatever. And right. I think the next morning he took him to um, to the Floridian for breakfast oh, or something yeah, like there that. There you go. So over, uh, you know, over some pancakes or whatever. Um, I was I was crushed because I was like, man, this David, you know, David J. He was kind of like him and Daniel Ash are my favorites in the band, and right. I was like, man, he yelled at me, like threw drinks at me. <laughs> So yeah. I was like, I was super bummed. And life uh, lesson, Richard. Le- yeah. Life lesson. Yeah. He gets on. He gets on the phone. Mikey's like, oh, I got somebody here who wants to talk to you. He puts David J on the phone. Like, hey, mate, what's all right? Yeah, you know. Uh, and he he describes he describes the night as that was a real white knuckle ride. Oh, <laughs> I okay. Said, yeah. I said, yeah, I guess you could call it that. It was like white knuckle ride. It's like when you're riding a roller coaster. Yes. I guess it's kind of like a British uh, mm-hmm. expression. But uh, that was or somebody that's how he put driving. It. That's how he put it. And um, yeah, I guess uh, we were fr- if we felt friendly after that. So that's nice that, that he called. Good. So that shows that he's a good guy. That he's yeah, still, he, he, knew, he, he knew probably felt a little dude. bad about throwing the uh, drinks at the Peter, uh, Peter Murphy poor new wave have kid. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Peter Murphy wouldn't <laughs> right. have apologized. No, <laughs> and probably it's, one of the glasses would have been broken often, and it would have sliced. Rob and you. I have discussed many, many times on the show. It's often best to enjoy your musical heroes from afar and uh yes definitely because <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, getting too close can <laughs> make you not a fan anymore That's yes true. oh well that is an awesome story thank you so much richard yeah, uh, thanks. Yes. thanks for coming thank on the guys. show and bringing a great record and always bringing it we love having you uh next week we are doing the fall again we got another That's fall right. record we're doing the unutterable which is a more recent fall record yes with our friend jeffrey weaver who barry do you know what the special thing about Jeffrey Weaver is? Well, he lives in Massachusetts. Also, he's a patron of the show. Oh! <laughs> What's and a patron, Rob? <laughs> you know what? You could go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH, and you could become a patron of our show right. for as little as a dollar a know? month. You could support us. If you're listening and you're not a Just patron. For a dollar. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like you're stealing from us in a way. <laughs> it's um, not, but. <laughs> well, kind of. I said kind of. Um, and you can we get, would very much appreciate. You could get in on all these uh, bonus. We're having another, another bonus patron episode. curated bonus episode coming up. So you want to get in on all that? It's fun. So go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. Become a patron. We would appreciate it. That's next week. Richard, thanks again for coming on the show. It was yeah, great man. having you. Thank you guys. Yes. Stay safe. Say hi to your lovely wife. I can't yes. believe she's putting up with all you putting out these records <laughs> and stuff. She's she's a saint. She truly is. She is. Yeah. Um, all right. So once again, that is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. We are That Record Got Me High. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. We'll keep you warm. And in the smash. Stick with me. Stick with me. I am the caterer. I am the caterer. Chicken chips off the bone I offer a